that lead up to the sermons that are preached here at First Lutheran. This is Pastor Brian. And I'm Pastor Perry. And our regular guest, Father Tom, is on vacation this week, so uh, perhaps he'll be joining us again here in the near future. Uh, Today we're looking at uh, what might be a familiar passage to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 10. A lot of times we hear this at, at weddings, so... Uh, I actually printed out a couple different versions of the reading so that we could hear the way that might be familiar to you. And if it's really familiar to you, I've printed out uh, the message translation as well so that we can maybe hear it in a little bit different way too. So Pastor Perry, you've got the, the version that we often hear read at weddings. Do you want to start reading that one to us? If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child... I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. Okay, and then here it is a second time. Uh, This translation is called The Message by a more recent translation uh, in the big picture of of translations by a guy named Eugene Peterson. And he said when he was writing this, he was trying to paraphrase what Scripture says um, in modern-day language. So it helps me to listen to this because, again, I've heard this passage many times, and so uh, this helps me to hear it with new ears. So again, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 13. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't have love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, 
doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompleteness will be canceled. When I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like an infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, and love extravagantly. And the best of these three is love. That is a very interesting version. What about it stood out to you or made you think about the, the one we're maybe more familiar with in a different way? I think the part that, that hit me was the, the child part, just the, the way that he, that he put that, because I'd envisioned that somewhat differently. I didn't go all the way back to an infant. To me, it would be more like, uh, you know, elementary grade, you know, that when I was a child, I spoke like a child, thought like a child, and reasoned like a child. Um, those days were probably not days that were filled with great wisdom and, and uh, discretion. They were times when you would say, say rash things, do rash things, do things that today you're like, Glad I lived through that. <laughs> yeah. Both in terms of punishments and things that I could have done, you know? <laughs> mm, yeah. So. I was, so now that you bring that up, too, that makes me think of uh, conversations I've had in the past, too, and sometimes a question will come up, well, why does, a, why does a baby need baptized? I mean, what sins could a, a baby possibly do? You know, um, they're, they're innocent, right? It makes me think of, it's interesting, again, like the translation here says, when I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like an infant. To, to go back to that point, I think what he's getting at there is to look at that as uh, who else can an infant be interested in but itself? It, it cries, it coos because it needs attention, it needs fed. Yep. Everything is about me, myself, and I. Uh, so there's like a, an inward orientation there. And so I think that's, how I look at that as Paul is making that movement from, and he said that in this translation too, love isn't always me first, is the way he puts it here. Um, so it's a shift in that orientation from inward to others. You know, and that's a really solid theological thing to, to look at that child because it is, it's only focused on itself. You know, yep, I'm, I'm hungry, I'm needing a hug, I'm wet, I'm whatever, I'm going to scream, pout, do whatever. And it's fully me-centered. And you go back to those, those top things, what love is. And what, if you take the opposite of it, love is centered on yourself. Or love isn't being centered on yourself. 
love is being centered on the person that you're you're looking at or or uh, in relationship with yeah we took a a big jump from where we were at last week first corinthians chapter one to now we're in chapter 13 um, and a lot has transpired in there and we left off last week with the message of the cross and what that's about um, and about this there like this self-sacrificing love you might that might be the connection you would make between that point and a lot of the ground that Paul covers between there and here is about how we can care for our neighbors. And it takes me again back to the, the piece about an infant. You know, the way uh, that we learn to love others is someone did give us that attention and love as a child. Um, we were loved and came to a point where, you know, hopefully we were loved or in the instances where someone wasn't loved and taken care of, it's hard for them not to um, look out for themselves and only their self-interest because they didn't have someone that loved them and, and took care of them. Um, so it's, that's an interesting image that Paul draws upon here of how, again, we skip a big chunk here between chapter 1 and chapter 13 here, but how being loved by God allows us to love in this way that Paul is describing here, or that he's describing how God loves. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great way to bring that up because... So often, when we are called to love the world, we are called to love into somebody who's only focused on themselves. Yeah. Where was you this know? text Mother's Day? <laughs> I don't know. Good grief. Uh, but lots of people, not just moms, can love in this way. Right. But, but the mom looking at that child, loving that child, and doing what that child needs because of a deep, inborn love connection for that child uh, keeps the mother loving it even though that child is fo fully focused on itself the mother keeps on loving and in reality this text i don't think was originally set out to be a wedding text uh, it was about god loving us and so we are that infant that child that is focused on our needs wants and desires and god just keeps on loving us, uh, even though we are self-focused. Yeah, and it's helpful to have an occasion like this to talk about this passage outside of a wedding, you know, when, again, maybe we're able to hear it with, with new ears. I mean, this is a love that we want to be celebrating and lifting up on, on anybody's wedding day, but this helps us look at it as this is how God loves. Because as I go down this list that talks about what Paul's saying here, he's describing how God loves us and as I read it, okay, maybe like I hit one or two of these on a good day, but there's a lot of these that I'm going through that I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> I'm afraid my love is not much like what Paul is describing here. And so I have to go back, or I'm called to go back to um, this relationship with God where I've experienced the kind of love that, that Paul describes here to be reminded, okay, yeah, this is how God loves me, um, and that allows me, again, we talk about that transition from infant to, to growing up, knowing that I'm loved in that way allows me to, again, be invited to love others in the way Paul describes here. And hopefully that's something that people are, you know, you, you would want that to be a foundation of your marriage. Yeah. And I think the, I think you're being too hard on yourself. Um, <laughs> but the way that I look at those things that Paul's talking about those are actions as to what, what, 
Paul is calling us to do. It's not an emotion. Too often in weddings, it's this emotional feeling that, oh, I'm so in love with you. I fell into love with you, and we're so emotionally connected, and we're, you know, but, but these are acts of love. And, and I talk about that in my pre-marriage counseling about the work of love. The work of love is being kind when you don't want to be kind. The work of love is forgiving when you'd really just as soon hold a grudge. The work of love is not, trying, not being envious and boastful and prideful. It's, it's that how you, um, within your own self, do those things that really are against what your uh, inner self would be wanting you to do. Yeah, you brought up feelings, and you know, I think that's often the way that we think about love or our culture has inclined us to think about love is, I love someone or something because of how it makes me feel. I love how I feel when I'm in proximity to X, Y, Z, you, you fill in the blank. That's often how we think about love. It's about what do I get out of it. So again, there's that difference in uh, direction uh, is the love about myself or is it about a self-sacrificing lover to go back to the love on the cross that we have demonstrated there earlier in Paul's writings here? The other part that, and this takes me away from the whole love focus that uh, I find very interesting is, is the part about not seeing, not being able to see clearly. And the way that I've used this other times is to actually look at it kind of in terms of a stained glass window, that you can kind of see figures beyond that stained glass window and get a, a little bit of a glimpse of what's supposed to be going on, but we don't know completely, we don't know fully um, where we're at and what's, what's going to happen. And so as I pull that into what we're dealing with today, uh, with coronavirus or COVID-19, there's no way that we can know fully what's happening. In 10 years, we'll understand and know what we should have done and how we should have reacted and what, uh, what path we should have taken. But for now, we lay out our best course and we do what we can. And as we know more, we make adjustments and we continue to move forward. And so for, for me, that in a sense, speaks of a, of a hope that the more knowledge of a situation that we know, the more completely we know it. Right now, we can't know it completely. Uh, in the end, we'll know completely what we should have done. We'll clearly see our mistakes, and we'll clearly see places where, where maybe we, we did all right. Um, but we can't fully know until, until it's over. And I think the same goes for me as I think about some of the questions we get in confirmation and from people, it's, what's heaven like? What is, what is God like? And what does God want out of me here? And, and there's so many unknowns, yet right now we don't fully know and we live on faith. But that day that we do know completely, we will know completely and we will understand and, and know, know fully God and, and God will fully know us and maybe will fully know ourselves and who and what we really have been. That's, as you're talking about the, the stained glass window or the fog in this other translation and not knowing where we're going or not being able to see where we're going, it, I, I'm going to read this one more time because as you were saying that, 
I was listening, but I was also reading this and thinking, yeah, that's right. I mean, we don't know exactly what it looks like or where we're going, but we've got this compass in the meantime that's taking us in the direction we're being called to. So to think about the confusion or the frustration uh, that I think a lot of us are experiencing right now with not knowing what to make of this, what direction to go, what, where it's going to go, uh, you know, a lot of it is, is out of our hands to hear this as a compass in this time as to where we're going and how we, how we look out for each other in this time. So I'm going to read this one more time. And think of this as your compass in times where you don't know what's ahead. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. That's a compass <laughs> we need a lot of right now. Yeah. Um, doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps on going to the end. So, and again, not, you know, not having a clear picture of what that end is, but you think about that as a compass for how we make our way to, to where God is leading us. It's like, okay, you know, that, I can do one day at a time by yeah. following that as a, a guide or a compass. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that many people have heard this analogy. I, would, I guess I would call it an analogy. And the, the fog that you're talking about, you know, um, so many people say, well, I, I want to see where I'm going, where my destination is. But you think about driving in fog, and you've got your headlights, and, and it's at night, and you can see maybe 50 feet in front of you. But those headlights and that fog, even though you really can't see anything, allow you to stay on the road. And you can go a long, long way in the fog at night, not seeing really what's very far ahead of you. Uh, and so that, again, is a way of, of looking at that faith aspect. What's been a time in your life where well, I think for a lot of us it's right now, but maybe you can think of a time in the past anyway where you didn't exactly know which way things were going to go or you were in the middle of having to make some difficult decisions. What was that like and, and what was your guidance? What was your compass in that time? Or maybe it was something very similar to what we talked about here. How did your faith guide you in that time or how would have it been helpful if it wasn't something that you had at that point? And I guess I would, uh, as we look at the love aspect of it, when is a time when love really felt like work to you? And was that work rewarded by being loved back in the end? It might not have been, um, but there are times where, where I believe that we are called to the work of love, not because of what we're hoping to get, but just because that's, that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm.